Welcome to Changing Your Dreams, Parenting a Child with Special Needs, a podcast where we shine a light on the unique grief of special needs parents that few people recognize and no one really talks about. I'm your host, Laura Kitts. How do we live a beautiful life with chronic stress and grief? How do we nurture ourselves while we nurture our children? How do we make ourselves a priority when they need so much? My guests and I will discuss this chronic, ever-renewing grief, transforming your dreams, and how to take care of yourself along the way when parenting a differently abled child. This episode is sponsored by Flight Club. Join a circle of friends who understand you and your life as a special needs parent. Combine that with monthly guest experts, live self-care accountability sessions with me, and easy, actionable assignments to help you emerge from the hard work, transformed, just as the butterfly from her chrysalis, and you've got Flight Club. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate each and every one of you. Today's episode is a little different. We're not going to be hearing from a guest today. Instead, I want to talk to you about our unique lives as special needs parents and what the heck self-care really is and how to actually do it when you are caring for a child with special needs. I want you to see that taking care of yourself is not only possible, but necessary. So as special needs parents, we have a few ways that our lives are different from other parents, and I want to start there. So other parents who don't have a child with special needs, I refer to them as muggles. I'm sure you are all familiar with the term muggle, made famous by Harry Potter, right? So muggles are the ordinary parents um, who go about their lives unaware of an entirely different world that's right under their noses, right? Versus us, the special needs parents, we are the witches and wizards of parenting. We have to make magic happen every day to de-escalate meltdowns, remember all the medications and appointments and do all the therapeutic interventions. We implement the strategies and everything else that we pull out of our hat. So how are our lives different from muggle parents? Well, I believe that we are different in three ways. I believe that we are different um, because of allostatic load, chronic grief, and higher levels of guilt. So let's break those three things down. Allostatic load is chronic stress, PTSD, mental fatigue, and ongoing fight or flight. Our body is not meant to handle the fight or flight response long-term. And so finally, allostatic load was finally understood by the broader community due to COVID. I've talked to so many parents who agree with me on this, that just like me, um, they about a year ago thought, hey, now you all understand my life a little bit better because everyone is feeling the collective grief. Everyone is feeling exhausted when they're doing nothing. Everyone's feeling the mental fatigue from the allostatic load of COVID. And so that is what we carry all the time for years and years. So we carried it before COVID and we'll carry it after COVID lifestyle is over. 
So another way that we're different than the muggle parents um, is the chronic grief that we carry. So there's an unspoken grief that I strongly believe needs to be identified and talked about and healed. And that's why I do this podcast. Um, it's the never ending cycle of new losses and potential losses. Every milestone missed is a loss. And I don't mean just those milestones that we typically think about in infancy and toddlerhood, although they also um, are a part of it, but it's more than that, which is really my point. There are so many social milestones along the way too. I think it's easy to identify for the broader community to recognize the grief that we have at birth if our child is born with disabilities or at the time of diagnosis, whenever that happens, it's easy to recognize that there is a loss there, loss of what you and everyone expected to happen. But we have a series of losses to grieve ongoing, and often we don't see them, we don't even see them coming. We can just be bopping along in life, and then all of a sudden, one day in early September, you're scrolling through Facebook to see friend after friend after friend posting pictures of their teenager going to homecoming. That's what happened to me. And it was hard enough to know, you know that my daughter should be starting high school instead of going to a center-based school for special ed, you know, where she doesn't even get grades or be in a specific class for her grade level. But to have this reminder on Facebook with these photos is just, you know, it's just a reminder of how much you're missing out on and just how much your life is different than all of your friends. And it just feels like a real big punch in the gut. And it's these types of grief moments that are never ending. The teen years were, were especially hard for me. You know, it's a time when kids should be spreading their wings and gaining their independence. But my daughter doesn't have sleepovers with girlfriends and she can't learn to drive and she can't go to the movies with friends. She's not going to go on a first date. My daughter isn't going to go on college visits. Our society is terrible at handling grief under typical circumstances when someone passes away. But there's just no acknowledgement or room for this kind of chronic and ever-renewing grief. So that really sets us apart from other parents. And as I said, the third way that I see that we're different from muggle parents is that we have a much higher level of guilt. Now, moms especially very typically put themselves last. But when you have a child with special needs, the guilt is magnified when it's not all for your child. I mean, there's mom guilt and there is special needs mom guilt. Special needs moms, you know, have the guilt of buying anything for themselves whatsoever because that money could be spent on therapy. You know, things like that. There's so much guilt around, am I doing enough for my child? Did it, what, should I have, you know, done more therapy? Should I have taken them to see that specialist? Um, never feeling like you're doing enough ever because couldn't your child always use more? 
So what do we do with all that that we carry around? How do we cope with these things? Well, typically, um, you know, we might downplay it. We repress it in order to keep going. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. We have to, you know, just push through, right? You got to just keep going. You keep moving. You're always doing don't stop because if you stop, you might not like what you see. We also use a lot of humor, change the subject, um, try to make other people feel comfortable when these things come up. So once I finally saw through all of those coping mechanisms, and once I finally understood the magnitude of that trifecta of allostatic load, chronic grief, and super guilt, I understood that I had to give myself permission to feel those things. I gave myself permission to be exhausted. I was able to release the shame of being exhausted all the time. I gave myself permission for things to just be as they are with no guilt. I gave myself permission to grieve those ongoing reoccurring losses. So one day I was, after I kind of had these revelations and was sitting in that space of, of learning and, and realizing, I was changing my daughter's diaper and she got aggressive with me as was typical at the time. And after I got done, uh, she left the bathroom and I sat on the stool in the bathroom and just cried. You know, you know those moments. I've, I've talked to many <laughs> moms who's, who have a stool in the bathroom that they cry on. So I know I'm not alone. Um, so I sat in the bathroom and cried. And all of a sudden, I had a revelation. I had always identified those moments with my daughter as stressful and frustrating because, you know, why is she pinching me? Why is she clawing me? I'm trying to give her a clean diaper for Pete's sake. You know, it's so frustrating and I, and I would get so, you know, upset and angry. But in that moment, that day, after I'd been doing a lot of realizing and a lot of soul searching and a lot of sitting with my feelings, I realized that what was really underlying the frustration and the anger and the stress on my end, what was really underlying all that was grief. I was grieving that I didn't have a normal relationship with my teenage daughter. I was grieving all that it meant in that moment for, for her to resist getting a new diaper. And so it was then and only then that I gave myself permission to be gentle with myself. It was then that I started for the first time being very aware of what was happening to my body physically when something really emotional happened. And then when I was recognizing the feelings of overwhelm and intense stress and mental fatigue, I learned how to stop whatever I was doing and slow down and find a way to make change in that moment 
to calm down my nervous system. That day was a game changer for me. That experience of of changing my daughter's diaper and realizing it was grief and stopping and feeling everything that was happening in my body and finding ways to calm my nervous system. Complete game changer for me. So think of it this way. I always, I always imagine one of those old fashioned scales, um, you know, the kind that they, that is like the symbol for justice and right. The, the kind where you have two like plates that are on uh, chains and, and when something gets put on one side, the other side goes up because there's not as much weight on it. Right. So I always think of one of those types of scales and on one side, we have that allostatic load, that, that, that stress, that PTSD, that chronic fatigue. And we have the chronic grief and we have the super guilt. And then on that same side, all that stuff, right? That we just start off with all those huge things that are weighing down our scale. On top of that, you add your own child's individual stressors. If your child doesn't sleep, add it to the scale. Your child gets bullied at school, add it to the scale. Your child has lots of surgeries, add it to the scale. Your child's aggressive, add it to the scale. All the things that are hard and different for your child. And so now if you can picture that scale, one side is way, way, way lower way heavier than the other side. So how do we balance that scale? Because this is how we start our days off when we wake up in the morning. Our scale is like this, right? Completely out of balance. Completely out of balance. How do we balance that scale? What do we need to put on the other side to even it out? That, my friend, is the self-care. How do you take care of yourself enough to balance that incredibly heavy load? Is it a bubble bath? How much does that weigh on your scale? What about a pedicure? Those are pretty awesome. How much does that weigh on your scale? Vacation. Mm, vacation without the children. Oh yeah. <laughs> Highly recommend those. Highly recommend all of those things. But they do not tip that scale in any sort of great measure to counterbalance all those things that we put on the other side. The first step to balancing that scale is to recognize everything that's on the heavy side and owning how much it really weighs. Because you're never going to be able to counterbalance it if you don't really see all of it. You're also never going to be able to counterbalance it with periodic self-care. You know, I get a pedicure maybe once or twice a year. I go on a vacation if I'm lucky once a year, but sometimes every two or three years. 
That is certainly not enough to counterbalance waking up every single day with a super, super out of balance scale just by existing with my child in this world. Are you with me? All right, so how do we do it? What is self-care really if those other things aren't? (laughs) They aren't going to do it for us. What does it look like when you are under ongoing duress? I believe there are three elements that special needs parents need in order to make self-care achievable. I've determined that those are the foundation, the methods, and the tools. So the foundation of self-care is mindset and mindfulness. Let's dig into the foundation. The first part is mindset. Well, I think it's important to think of it as self-love instead of self-care. I believe that the term self-care is just really overused and becomes just something we don't even really think about. It doesn't resonate. We don't really know what it is. But self-love kind of makes you stop and pause. What does that mean? I also like to think of it as, you know, worth. What are you worthy of? For me, I started, when I started coming out of this place of extreme stress, extreme depression, extreme anxiety, to really start to recognize my heavy load, to start to feel my feelings, and to start to figure out how to change my life so that I (laughs) could have a much more balanced scale so that I could feel joy again, so that I could be happy, so that I could love living life and being with my family. I started with 30 seconds a day. I had to tell myself that I was worth putting on my face cream from my dermatologist twice a day. I had to literally, because I would skip it. I would, you know, I, you run in, you throw some clothes on, run your fingers through your hair, brush your teeth. Then I've got a million things to do, right? I don't, I don't have time to put two medicines on my face. That's the way I operated forever. But at this point in my life, I stopped. And I would literally say to myself, Laura, you are worth 30 seconds for the love of God. You are worth 30 seconds. Stop and put this medicine on your face so that you can take care of yourself. And I had to tell myself that many times for a long time before it became a complete habit of actually doing the face cream from my dermatologist to treat my rosacea. 30 seconds a day. I had to tell myself I was worth 30 seconds a day because I didn't think that I had time for that. And that just was telling myself that I wasn't worth it, that I wasn't worth taking care of my face, taking care of my skin. It wasn't worth 30 seconds. 
And I never thought of it that way before. Never, ever, ever before. It was, oh, I don't have time. I have 500 things to do. And that was it. So it was a shift in my mindset. So I was recently told a great story. I heard that there's self-esteem and there's self-worth. Self-esteem is when you accomplish things and you, you achieve things and, you know, you're a great mom, you graduated from this college. But self-worth is getting to the core of self-love and making yourself a priority and putting yourself first. Like the cliches tell us, you know, fill your own cup so that you can pour into others and put your own oxygen mask on first, those sorts of things, right? Making yourself that kind of priority, loving yourself enough to see that you're worth that is self-worth. I never heard that before. I didn't know there was a difference in those two terms before. I always thought that they were the same thing. I always thought that they were self-esteem, accomplishments, achieving, being driven, being able to be organized and, and do well and exceed. And I had really high self-esteem. So the moment that I realized that I had low self-worth was devastating for me. And it's still really hard for me to say out loud publicly to all of you. But I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think I was worth 30 seconds to put my face cream on. I really didn't. So... You have to prioritize yourself in that way. You have to realize that you can, you know, be an amazing mom, be an amazing dad, be a great person, and take care of yourself and put your needs first. It doesn't have to be in lieu of or in spite of or excluding one because of the other. It is a mindset shift, my friends. There's a quote that says, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. What does that mean for us as special needs parents? It means that our lives are still our lives. Our kids are still our kids. That's the inevitable part. But the suffering is optional. You do not have to live a miserable life because of those circumstances. There are choices to be made, and the choice is to choose yourself. Choose your own mental health. Choose that you matter in your life. The second part of the foundation is mindfulness. And that is what I described earlier about sitting with my emotions and identifying what I was physically feeling in my body in those moments. Was my heart beating fast? Did I have a pit in my stomach? Was I getting a headache? Did my chest feel tight? Mindfulness allowed me to identify what I was physically feeling in my body so that I could do something about it. I could address the elevated heart rate by taking long slow, deep breaths. I could address the tension headache by relaxing my shoulders and forehead. So once you get the foundation down, the mindset and the mindfulness, once you feel worthy of time, 
and money for yourself, and you truly get in touch with your body, then you can move into implementing self-care through my methods. How do you take care of yourself truly? Because nobody ever really tells us that. Everybody just tells us, you know, put your own oxygen mask on first, take care of yourself, self-care, self-care. But they don't tell us how in our lives as special needs parents. So I have found the trick is two methods that you have to have in order to be successful at implementing your self-love and self-care throughout your day. One is baby steps. You have to take tiny bite-sized pieces of any of the tools and things that other people offer or consider self-care or do for themselves, et cetera. It's tiny, tiny baby steps throughout the day, all day long. So it's not, a, you know, go to the gym for an hour and then you got drive. Is anybody going to the gym anymore? I don't know. That's obviously that's an old example, but it's not, you know, taking a half hour to meditate, doing an hour yoga down in your basement. <clears throat> if we can get those things in now and then, that's amazing. Do it. But that, my friend, is that periodic self-care because for us to be able to truly have an hour every single day for ourselves, that can be pretty far-fetched for a lot of us. But you can take 30 seconds. You can take two minutes. You can take five minutes throughout the day, here and there, all day long. Baby steps. That is critical. That is what moves the scale, my friends. That is how you will be able to take care of yourself and tip that scale so that it's so much more in balance because you'll be able to feed your soul throughout the day, every day. The other method that's critical is habit stacking. This just really makes it a lot easier. So with the habit stacking, for example, that means it's something that you're already doing that's a habit. You add a new self-care something onto it. So for example, with my face cream that I needed to do twice a day every day, I habit stack it with brushing my teeth. So after I brush my teeth in the morning, I put on my face cream. After I brush my teeth at night, I put on my face cream. Make sense? Other things like you buckle your seatbelt in the car, take three long, slow, deep breaths before you drive. Now you might feel like you're in such a hurry. You got to go, go, go. But how long does three deep breaths take? 15 seconds? 15 seconds. Are you worth 15 seconds? Because calming down your nervous system in that moment when you're feeling rushed and hurried is even more important it'll calm down your driving and you'll be more safe. So those are really important, the methods, right? And then you have all the tools, right? You have all the things that people like tell you, you know, um, journaling. I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of all of these things, but they're not all for everybody. So you have to figure it out and choose what you like to do. Um, 
I'm also a really big proponent of saying no. Clearing your plate, saying no to things that do not serve you is huge self-care. Stop feeling guilty about things that you feel like you quote unquote should do. Say no. Say no. Check in with your body. This is a part of really being mindful, checking in with your body. Do I really want to do that thing? Would that really make me feel good? Uh, No, (laughs) I'd much rather stay home in my pajamas. Well, then say no, (laughs) right? Um, Checking in with yourself. Like I said, that mindfulness piece, doing that often. Taking, using that as your two minutes, set a timer on your phone, sit down, put your feet up, close your eyes, and just go through from head to toe every part of your body. Check in and relax your muscles. Meditation, breathing, sitting for three minutes and doing deep breathing as often as possible. Going outside in nature, listening to the birds, If you're fortunate enough to live by water, listening to the the waves, um, feeling the breeze on your face, putting your feet or your hands on the earth, all of these things as many times as possible. Even if you're just going out to get the mail, stop and put your hands on on the grass, on the ground. Again, 15 seconds, 30 seconds. Just take three deep breaths, touch the earth. It's those things that will change your life if you add in all these little things throughout your day all the time. And then obviously, you know, you you can do the exercise routines and you can do all of those things, but in bite-sized pieces. So for a lot of you who've been listening, learning to shift your thinking like this is brand new. Making this kind of lifestyle change is brand new. Letting The focus beyond you is brand new. This might be a new way of thinking for a lot of you. I hope that some of you got a spark from this information. A light of hope came on a little bit. If any of these things resonate with you, reach out to me. Let me know. Send me an email. I can be found, my website is laurakits.com. You can contact me through there. Let me know if this resonates with you and, and I would love to hear from you. I want to know what your other side feels like. If you're in a bad place, what do you wish your life could be? How do you wish you could have more balance? What does that look like? I want for you to have that peace and calm and happiness and joy because you deserve to feel good. You are worth it. And I love you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more about how to take care of yourself along your parenting journey or how you can better support those special needs parents in your life, you can follow me on social media, Lara Kitts on Facebook and at Lara.Kitts on Instagram. And that is spelled L-A-R-A-K-I-T-T-S. I also have a blog on my website that's worth subscribing to. 
check it out at laurakids.com. Until next time, take care of yourself.